0: Chapter forty nine of the history of Pendennis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox dot org. The History of Pendennis by William Makepeace Thackeray. Chapter forty nine. In Shepherd's Inn. Our friend Penn said, how do you do mr bows in a loud cheery voice on perceiving that gentleman and saluted him in a dashing off-hand manner yet you could have seen a blush upon arthur's face answered by fanny whose cheek straightway threw out a similar fluttering red signal and after bows and arthur had shaken hands and the former had ironically accepted the other's assertion that he was about to pay mr costigan's chambers a visit there was a gloomy and rather guilty silence in the company which pen presently tried to dispel by making a great rattling noise the silence of course departed at mr arthur's noise but the gloom remained and deepened as the darkness does in a vault if you light up a single taper in it pendennis tried to describe in a jocular manner the transactions of the previous night and attempted to give an imitation of costigan vainly expostulating with the check taker at vauxhall it was not a good imitation what stranger can imitate that perfection nobody laughed mrs bolton did not in the least understand what part mr pendennis was performing and whether it was the check-taker or the captain he was taking off fanny wore an alarmed face and tried a timid giggle old mr Bose looked as glum as when he fiddled in the orchestra or played a difficult piece upon the piano at the back kitchen pen felt that his story was a failure his voice sank and dwindled away dismally at the end of it flickered and went out and it was all dark again you could hear the ticket-porter who lolls about shepherd's inn as he passed on the flags under the archway the clink of his boot-heels was noted by everybody you were coming to see me sir mr Bows said won't you have the kindness to walk up to my chambers with me you do them a great honour i am sure they are rather high up but-oh i live in a garret myself and shepherd's inn is twice as cheerful as lamb court mr pendennis broke in i knew that you had third-floor apartments mr bows said and was going to say you will please not take my remark as discourteous that the air up three pair of stairs is wholesomer for gentlemen than the air of a porter's lodge sir said pen whose candle flamed up again in his wrath and who was disposed to be as quarrelsome as men are when they are in the wrong will you permit me to choose my society without you were so polite as to say that you were about to honour my humble domicile with a visit mr bows said with his sad voice shall i show you the way mr pendennis and i are old friends mrs bolton very old acquaintances and at the earliest dawn of his life we crossed each other the old man pointed towards the door with a trembling finger and a hat in the other hand and in an attitude slightly theatrical so were his words when he spoke somewhat artificial and chosen from the vocabulary which he had heard all his life from the painted lips of the orators before the stage-lamps but he was not acting or masquerading as pen knew very well though he was disposed to poo-poo the old fellow's melodramatic airs come along sir he said as you are so very pressing mrs bolton i wish you a good day good-bye miss fanny i shall always think of our night at vauxhall with pleasure and be sure i will remember the theatre tickets and he took her hand pressed it was pressed by it and was gone what a nice young man to be sure cried mrs bolton do you think so ma said fanny i was a thinkin who he was like when i was at the wells with mrs mrs bolton continued looking through the window-curtain after pen as he went up the court with bows there was a young gentleman from the city that used to come in a tilbury in a white at the very image of him only his whiskers was black and mr pease is red Law ma they are a most beautiful haubern fanny said he used to come for emily budd who danced columbine in arlequin ornpipe or the battle of navarino when miss de la bosky was took ill a pretty dancer and a fine stage figure of a woman and he was a great sugar-baker in the city with a country ouse at omerton and he used to drive her in the tilbury down goswell street road and one day they drove and was married at st bartholomew's church smithfield where they had their banns read quite private and she now keeps her carriage and i saw her name in the paper as patroness of the Manshing house ball for the washi women's asylum and look at lady Mirabel, captain costigan's daughter she was professional as all very well know thus and more to this purpose mrs bolton spoke now peeping through the window-curtain now cleaning the mugs and plates and consigning them to the place in the corner cupboard and finishing her speech as she and fanny shook out and folded up the dinner-cloth between them and restored it to its drawer in the table although costigan had once before been made pretty accurately to understand what pen's pecuniary means and expectations were i suppose coz had forgotten the information acquired at chatteris years ago or had been induced by his natural enthusiasm to exaggerate his friend's income he had described fair oaks park in the most glowing terms to mrs bolton on the preceding evening as he was walking about with her during pen's little escapade with fanny had dilated upon the enormous wealth of pen's famous uncle the major and shown an intimate acquaintance with arthur's funded and landed property very likely mrs bolton in her wisdom had speculated upon these matters during the night and had had visions of fanny driving in her carriage like mrs bolton's old comrade the dancer of saddler's wells in the last operation of table-cloth folding these two foolish women of necessity came close together and as fanny took the cloth and gave it the last fold her mother put her finger under the young girl's chin and kissed her again the red signal flew out and fluttered on fanny's cheek what did it mean it was not alarm this time it was pleasure which caused the poor little fanny to blush so poor little Fanny, what is love's sin that it is so pleasant at the beginning and so bitter at the end, after the embrace, Mrs. Bolton thought proper to say that she was a-going out upon business, and that Fanny must keep the lodge, which Fanny, after a very faint objection, indeed, consented to do so Mrs. Bolton took her bonnet and market-basket and departed, and the instant she was gone, Fanny went and sat by the window which commanded bose's door and never once took her eyes away from that quarter of shepherd's inn betsy jane and amelia ann were buzzing in one corner of the place and making believe to read out of a picture-book which one of them held topsy-turvy it was a grave and dreadful tract of mr bolton's collection fanny did not hear her sisters prattling over it she noticed nothing but bose's door at last she gave a little shake and her eyes lighted up he had come out he would pass the door again but her poor little countenance fell in an instant more pendennis and D came out but bows followed after him they passed under the archway together he only took off his hat and bowed as he looked in he did not stop to speak in three or four minutes fanny did not know how long but she looked furiously at him when he came into the lodge bows returned alone and entered into the porter's room where's your ma dear he said to fanny i don't know fanny said with an angry toss i don't follow ma's steps wherever she goes i suppose mr bows am i my mother's keeper bows said with his usual melancholy bitterness come here betsy jane and amelia Ann. i have brought a cake for the one who can read her letters best and a cake for the other who can read them the next best when the young ladies had undergone the examination through which Bows put them they were rewarded with their gingerbread medals and went off to discuss them in the court meanwhile fanny took out some work and pretended to busy herself with it her mind being in great excitement and anger as she plied her needle Bows sat so that he could command the entrance from the lodge to the street but the person whom perhaps he expected to see never made his appearance again and mrs bolton came in from market and found mr bows in place of the person whom she had expected to see the reader perhaps can guess what was his name the interview between bows and his guest when those two mounted to the apartment occupied by the former in common with the descendant of the milesian kings was not particularly satisfactory to either party pen was sulky if bows had anything on his mind he did not care to deliver himself of his thoughts in the presence of captain costigan who remained in the apartment during the whole of pen's visit having quitted his bedchamber indeed but a very few minutes before the arrival of that gentleman we have witnessed the desable of major pendennis will any man wish to be valet de chambre to our other hero costigan it would seem that the captain before issuing from his bedroom scented himself with otto of whisky a rich odour of that delicious perfume breathed from out him as he held out the grasp of cordiality to his visitor the hand which performed that grasp shook woefully it was a wonder how it could hold the razor with which the poor gentleman daily operated on his chin bows's room was as neat on the other hand as his comrades was disorderly his humble wardrobe hung behind a curtain his books and manuscript music were trimly arranged upon shelves a lithographed portrait of miss fotheringay as mrs holler with the actress's sprawling signature at the corner hung faithfully over the old gentleman's bed lady Mirabel wrote much better than miss fotheringay had been able to do her ladyship had laboured assiduously to acquire the art of penmanship since her marriage and in a common note of invitation or acceptance acquitted herself very genteelly bows loved the old handwriting best though the fair artist's earlier manner he had but one specimen of the new style a note in reply to a song composed and dedicated to lady Mirabel by her most humble servant robert bows and which document was treasured in his desk amongst his other state papers he was teaching fanny bolton now to sing and to write as he had taught emily in former days it was the nature of the man to attach himself to something when emily was torn from him he took a substitute as a man looks out for a crutch when he loses a leg or lashes himself to a raft when he has suffered shipwreck latude had given his heart to a woman no doubt before he grew to be so fond of a mouse in the bastille there are people who in their youth have felt and inspired and heroic passion and end by being happy in the caresses or agitated by the illness of a poodle but it was hard upon bows and grating to his feelings as a man and a sentimentalist that he should find Pan again upon his track and in pursuit of this little fanny meanwhile costigan had not the least idea but that this company was perfectly welcome to messrs pendennis and bows and that the visit of the former was intended for himself he expressed himself greatly pleased with that mark of politeness, and promised in his own mind that he would repay that obligation at least which was not the only debt which the captain owed in life by several visits to his young friend he entertained him affably with news of the day or rather of ten days previous for pen in his quality of journalist remembered to have seen some of the captain's opinions in the sporting and theatrical newspaper which was costigan's oracle he stated that sir charles and lady mirabel were gone to baden-baden and were most pressing in their invitations that he should join them there pen replied with great gravity that he had heard that baden was very pleasant and the grand duke exceedingly hospitable to english costigan answered that the laws of hospitality became a grand duke that he sorriously would think about visiting him and made some remarks upon the splendid festivities at dublin castle when his excellency the earl of Pontonsherry held the viceregal court there and of which he costigan had been a humble but pleased spectator and pen as he heard these oft-told well-remembered legends recollected the time when he had given a sort of credence to them and had a certain respect for the captain Emily and first love and the little room at chatteris and the kind talk with bows on the bridge came back to him he felt quite kindly disposed towards his two old friends and cordially shook the hands of both of them when he rose to go away he had quite forgotten about little fanny bolton whilst the captain was talking and pen himself was absorbed in other selfish meditations he only remembered her again as bows came hobbling down the stairs after him bent evidently upon following him out of shepherd's inn mr bose's precaution was not a lucky one the wrath of mr arthur pendennis rose at the poor old fellow's feeble persecution confound him what does he mean by dogging me thought pen and he burst out laughing when he was in the strand and by himself as he thought of the elder's stratagem it was not an honest laugh arthur pendennis perhaps the thought struck arthur himself and he blushed at his own sense of humour he went off to endeavour to banish the thoughts which occupied him whatever those thoughts might be and tried various places of amusement with but indifferent success he struggled up the highest stairs of the panorama but when he had arrived panting at the height of the eminence care had come up with him and was bearing him company he went to the club and wrote a long letter home exceedingly witty and sarcastic and in which if he did not say a single word about vauxhall and fanny bolton it was because he thought that subject however interesting to himself would not be very interesting to his mother and laura nor could the novels or the library table fix his attention nor the grave and respectable jocums the only man in town who wished to engage him in conversation nor any of the amusements which he tried after flying from jawkins he passed a comic theatre on his way home and saw stunning farce roars of laughter good old english fun and frolic placarded in vermilion letters on the gate he went into the pit and saw the lovely mrs leary as usual in a man's attire and that eminent buffalo actor tom horseman dressed as a woman horseman's travesty seemed to him a horrid and hideous degradation mrs leary's glances and ankles had not the least effect he laughed again and bitterly to himself as he thought of the effect which she had produced upon him on the first night of his arrival in london a short time what a long long time ago chapter forty nine